Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this 0-14 version of the Locked on Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. I am your host, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network, the fastest growing podcast network in the nation. Welcome in, Browns fans, on this Christmas week. Hope everybody's had a great weekend. Hope everybody stayed safe with all of the cold weather, the snow, the rain, the ice and everything that goes with it. So uh, we here we are, Browns fans. It's another loss, another disheartening loss, a 33-13 to loss to the Buffalo Bills, a team that is expected to fire their head coach, a team that uh, is 7-7, seven and seven, so they're having an okay season, and a team that can run the ball all over any defense, ran it for 200 and 80 yards against the Browns defense. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of the game. 200, 280 yards on the ground. 153 yards for LaShawn McCoy with an 8.1 average. Tyrod Taylor, 49 yards and a 7.0 average. Mike Gillisley, who I don't even really know much about, 9 carries for 37 yards. Brandon Tate had that one uh, reverse end around for 30 yards. Jonathan Williams chipped in with three for 10. And EJ Manuel had one yard rushing to total 280 yards. And so we'll start today just with a game recap, looking back through some of the things that I find interesting. And then at the end, we're going to talk about uh, something Hugh Jackson said today. And so uh, one of the reasons I like to do afternoon, evening uh, podcast is there's a lot of good information that comes out during the day. And so instead of saving that for the following day, uh, many of you listen to this in the afternoon, evening, or the next morning uh, on your way to work. And so I want to make sure kind of hit on some other things that go on. But looking back at yesterday's game, I think we see the difference between a team that has a solid base foundation and a team that is working on building a solid base foundation. When you look at the players that Buffalo uh, ran out there, you don't see a lot of rookies. You don't see a lot of players who um, are just getting their feet wet or just kind of understanding themselves. You see a lot of players who uh, were either drafted by the Bills or brought in by the Bills for very, very specific purposes. On the other hand, with the Browns, you see a lot of players who are getting their feet wet, uh, who are rookies, who are undrafted free agents, a lot of those kind of things. And so while the Browns may have some talent, 
it is a lot of talent that's trying to figure things out. And if you've ever tried to figure things out, you know how that goes. You're going to have your ups and downs. I know next week I'll be starting a new job. And while I've been working in the field for 14 years, this new job is something different with a different organization. And there's a lot of things to that that will take a little while for me to really get a feel for. My current job, the one that I'll be finishing up this Thursday, I've only been at for about nine months, just a little over nine months at this time. But I know in the first three, four, five, six months, everything was new. Everything was strange, even though I had worked at that same facility with that same agency for four years prior. And so uh, four years there, four year break back for now almost 10 months uh, before leaving. And even then, the first three, four, five, six months were big. It was a new kind of role, all kinds of stuff. And so kind of exacerbate that. Uh, when it comes to professional sports, the jump from college to NFL is gargantuan. It's why everyone who really knows the game really laughs at those can Alabama beat the Browns kind of conversations because the jump is just so gigantic. And so with the Bills, you see a bunch of players uh, who know what they're doing, are solid, and can be good on any given day. So in the passing game, Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, um, each had one reception. So two of their biggest names uh, in the receiving core each had one catch combined for 15 yards. LaShawn McCoy, another big receiving threat, three receptions for 16 yards. Marquise Goodwin, kind of their third receiver, has some high upside, three receptions for 43 yards. And you might say, well, yeah, Jared, remember they ran for 280 yards? That's true. But Charles Clay, their tight end, seven catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. And I think what you see there is that the Bills just have players. Charles Clay isn't some stud tight end, but they have players who can make things happen um, even when things aren't going great. Even Mike Gillisley, nine carries for 37 yards for 4.1 yards per carry average. You have players who can get it done. That's even true on the defensive side of the ball for the Bills. And so you're looking at players like Zach Brown and Preston Brown and Kyle Williams and Jerry Hughes and Stephen Gilmore. You see a bunch of players who have been around for a while. While some of the rookies like Shaq Lawson, our young guys, Adolphus Washington, those guys um, are playing. They're not really called on to make a huge impact. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander, those kind of guys. Um, and so instead... They're really depending on a solid group of guys. You know, Lorenzo Alexander, um, he's been around for 10 years. And so yesterday when he puts up, you know, 10 tackles and one and a half sacks, you're not surprised because he's someone who knows how to play in the league. Two quarterback hits. You have Kyle Williams, again, one and a half sacks, four tackles. Someone's been in the league for a long time. Jerry Hughes had a sack. Zach Brown had a sack. You have a bunch of players who have been around and know what they're doing. On the Brown side of things, you're really looking at a very few amount of those. You know, you have the Demario Davis, who is a limited player, but can do some things. Christian Kirksey, who has shown pretty well. Jamie Collins, obviously we know a lot about him. Um, but you're really not talking about a lot of talent across the board who has been in the league for a while to develop. Ibrahim Campbell might be one of those players down the road, but still has a long way to go. Cam Johnson, the Joe Schoberts, Jamar Taylor was thrown away basically by Miami. Danny Shelton is making a lot of impact in the middle of the line, but it's not enough, not just because Danny isn't 
there yet. Again, he's in his second season, um, has already taken a huge step forward and still has ways to go. But there's just not the talent around him. Emmanuel Ogba, someone who we feel really, really good about. One tackle, one sack, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit, right? So again, while the Browns are depending on all these young players, the Bills have a bunch of veterans who know how to play the game. They've built a solid foundation with these players and have added to it in free agency, and then the rookies can come along and develop. The Browns haven't had that. It's what they're trying to do. It's why next year could be a big struggle again for the Browns because they're still trying to create that solid foundation. There's talent there, but there's no depth. There's no depth of players who really know how to play the game, who have been around at least, you know, three, four seasons and really can and do some things. You know, and so even on the offensive side of the ball, Robert Griffin III has been around for a few years, but we all know kind of what he's been through and has a lot of ups and downs. Looked better this week. Not great. Duke Johnson had some good receptions and was able to kind of break some tackles, those kind of things. Gary Barnage really only had one breakout season, and that was last year with the Browns. Corey Coleman's a rookie. Terrell Pryor is learning the position and still has some attitude-related issues that are a concern. Andrew Hawkins had one catch. So, Again, you're looking at the difference between a team that has built a solid foundation. While the Bills have tra- changed coaches, they haven't so much always changed everything. So their GM has been around for a little while, made it through some re- uh, coaching changes, whereas the Browns seem to just kind of clean total house. The Bills have at least been able to build a ro- built a roster that has some solid foundations, some structural components to it that can be built upon can be adjusted, all of those kind of things. The Browns need to do that, and they're in the process. That's how you get a game that ends up 33-13. to 13. So it is week 15 of the football season. Um, your team, hopefully that's the Browns, uh, may be facing a few must-win games. Nope. Maybe they're facing that. We need one win. Uh, they're definitely not a lock for the postseason. Either way, Seat Geek is the easiest way to find tickets for the last few games of the season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest games of the year. And with Seat Geek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the Seat Geek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to buy tickets. I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. That's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-E-K. Go to the settings tab and add a promo code. That promo code is LOBrowns. Again, S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. Go to the settings tab and add a promo code. Enter promo code LOBrowns. SeatGeek will send you a $20 after you've made your first purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LOBrowns today. So once again, we kind of get to end today's uh, Lockdown Browns podcast talking about something that our guy, 
the guy that we all wanted as our coach, Hugh Jackson, had to say. So this afternoon, um, during his press conference, Hugh Jackson stated this, according to Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal. Hugh Jackson said he wants to give running back Isaiah Crowell 20 carries, but has to make sure they're still in the game first, not trailing. It is a really interesting statement by Hugh Jackson that that he wants to give Crowell uh, carries, but as long as the team's not trailing. And part of the issue with that is, so you talk about 20 carries. So far this season, Crowell has, has a high of 18 carries. That's against the Baltimore Ravens, where the Browns were up 20 to 2 at one point in time. He had 18 carries for 133 yards. Obviously a long of 85 on that. But then you look at other games, and so against the Titans, which ended up 28-26, Crowell had nine carries. Now, obviously, they were behind for some of that game. Um, but against the Cincinnati Bengals, the first time, they weren't behind too much going even into the third quarter, and Crowell had 12 carries. Against the New York Jets, a three-point loss, Crowell had 11 carries. Against the Giants, a game that the Browns were still in it, ended up 27-13. He had 16 carries, so good. And against Buffalo, a team that they were down 7-11 and 11 in the fourth quarter, or I'm sorry, the third quarter, uh, he got eight carries. And so it's really interesting when you look at uh, where Hugh Jackson is. It's something that I've kind of hit on pretty often in the Lockdown Browns podcast. And so for some of you, this is kind of old hat, but it doesn't seem like Hugh Jackson has the gumption to stick with the run. Um, when the team is down, that's one thing. Against the Baltimore Ravens, the second time, 28-7, nine carries. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, down, are they losing 24-9, eight carries? Sure, that happens. The problem is the Browns, at most, were down 7 nothing when they got the ball the first time. But unfortunately, it seems like Hughes struggles keeping some consistency there. And so, with an offensive line, uh, starting with Cameron Irving, all the way Jonathan Cooper, Spencer Drango, uh, and Austin Pastor, who is much better at running the ball than pass protecting. And most offensive linemen would tell you they'd much rather fire off the ball, kind of going to destroy people, than uh, backpedaling, trying to not get destroyed. It's really interesting that Hugh struggles keeping that balance. It's not something that I think he's got totally figured out. Um, it's not something where I feel like he feels really, really comfortable um, keeping a running game going. Again, whether that's because he wants to prove something uh, with Robert Griffin III, Cody Kessler, Josh McCown, whether that's because he doesn't trust his offensive line, whether it's because he sees the positive qualities of Terrell Pryor and Corey Coleman, even Gary Barnage, whatever it is, Hugh Jackson has really struggled keeping Isaiah Crowell engaged in games. Uh, against New England, against Tennessee, against the Jets, he did have low yards per carry averages, but the Browns weren't out of those games significantly. Unfortunately, Jackson just wasn't able to keep him engaged. Dallas, six carries for four yards. There's some reasons there. But it's important that Hugh Jackson figures out how to trust his offensive line and how to trust his run game. 
without it, it's too predictable. The Browns are allowing their quarterbacks to get hurt. It seems like on almost every play, uh, the defensives have an idea of what's coming. And so whether, again, that's in the run game, that's in the um, pass game, he's got to be able to mix things up. He's got to be able to put his team in a better position to succeed. And yesterday, he split the the snaps 50-50 between Crowell and Johnson. And while I love Duke Johnson, and I'm not saying anything bad about him, if you really want to get someone like Isaiah Crowell going, and your statement's... Uh, about him and about him being a foundation piece for the future and being really, really important to what you want to do. Splitting the the snaps 50-50 with Crowell got eight carries, Duke got five. Duke also had five receptions. Crowell had none. Uh, Duke was targeted seven times. Crow was targeted twice. And so not only did you do you say you want to get Crowell going and you say he's important to your future, but you actually give more touches and more opportunity to Duke Johnson. And so it's hard for me, and it's hard as as a fan, for us to really get a good feel for your word. And I think as a coach, that's really going to be something that is valued going forward. Is Hugh Jackson a man of his word? And does his word mean anything? It's one thing for it to mean something to us in the media or to fans, it's another is, what does it mean to his players? If he's talking about Isaiah Crowell uh, as an important foundation, if he's talking about being a power run team, if he's talking about keeping the Browns in games, if he's talking about expecting to win and then giving your quote-unquote bell cow back only eight carries and talking about only wanting to let him run when the team's not down, You've still got to be able to run the ball. Your team is going to be down, and you can't, like Hugh Jackson has done most of the season, you can't just abandon the run just because your team's losing. Again, three, seven, nine, ten points, 11 points. Those are all reasonable margins for the Browns to still be able to run the ball because you have to be able to score points, and you can't give the ball back to the other team for them to score points. When you look at the time of possession, the Bills ran the ball a lot. It's why they had almost 10 more minutes of time of possession than the Browns, because the Browns didn't run the ball enough. And so Hugh Jackson needs to figure that out. He needs to figure out how to keep his run game involved. 21 carries for the Browns, including eight for Robert Griffin. So how many of those were called? Um, I didn't kind of figure that out before the podcast, but again, 21 total carries, eight for Griff, the quarterback, compared to 40 for the Buffalo Bills, where seven, Tyra Taylor had seven of those carries. Again, a few of those were called designed, others weren't, but the Browns were basically doubled up in rushing attempts, and that really kills your time of possession. So Hugh Jackson, we got to get that figured out. You've got to figure out how to trust him. Browns fans, we have to figure out when we can trust Hugh Jackson. I do, but he has got to start being a man of his word all the way in through next season. Thank you for stopping by this Lockdown Browns podcast. Again, we are 0-14, exactly where, or at some level where all of us thought we would be, but we're right in position for that number one overall pick and currently the number seven pick if Carolina wins tonight. 
courtesy of the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of power, a lot for us to turn this team around. Thank you for stopping by this cold Monday, and go Browns!